Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. like eight weeks ago so yeah <laughs> it'll Whatever. be a surprise tonight element of surprise <laughs> hello and welcome to drunk dish where three delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process this is episode two of season two mm-hmm. the drink or the vote prohibition and suffrage yeah i'm melissa yeah i'm kate I'm Amy. <laughs> we did it. Yay. Yay. Oh, I'm so sweaty in my knee pits. Oh, that's the worst. I mean. I mean, I guess it's not the why? actual worst. No, the worst is under boob sweat. Under boob sweat. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Agreed. Um. Anyways, under boob sweat. <laughs> so now that we've introduced ourselves... Uh, and mm. welcome. Did I say welcome? I did. Mm. I'm already think, drunk. Think you did. Uh, now that we've introduced ourselves, every episode, Kate likes to ask us one food related question. Kate, what is our question? Okay. So, <clears throat> ready? Okay. Ready and okay. So, food related question is Do you have, or, and if you do, what is it? And like, where does it come from? Like, what's the oldest? sort of familial uh heredit not hereditary i don't know um <laughs> this question is a ride so far <laughs> yeah it's all over the place <laughs> what's the oldest like recipe that you have that you use or that like for family occasions it's the thing that was like oh it was great nana's blah 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 and herbs such and such um mm-hmm. like do you have any kind of historical for your family recipes that you guys use um, or that show up at things. In places. In places. <laughs> in places. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember when you sent like this way back when we were yeah, f- originally was, supposed mm, to like, record this episode. Uh, yeah. You sent the question and I was like kind of sad because like I don't have that type of family. Like, I, like, I don't have like specifically family recipes like my grandmother died when I was pretty young so like I didn't really learn anything from her and obviously I had kind of like a topsy-turvy childhood and teen years so it's not like my mom was like cooking family recipes or anything like that but then I remembered um it's not really so it's not my family recipe but it has become my family recipe and you guys probably know what I'm gonna say (laughs) Because you've had them. Um, And that is the Greek butter cookie recipe Mm -hmm. that was handed down to me from my aunt. And it was actually her best friends, Mary and Paul, I believe. Oh, no, I don't remember Mary's husband's name. I think it's Paul. Um, They were her best, best friends from like growing up in Southie in Boston all the way to the end of her life. Best friends, which is like. It's crazy to have been friends with someone for that long. But um, and they were really, really sweet and they were very Greek, like go to Greece every year, Greek Mm -hmm. to see like family and stuff. So it was actually Mary's family's Greek butter recipe, Greek butter cookie recipe that my aunt then made and she would make it every year for Christmas. And then 
she taught me how to make it. And now like, and they're super easy. Like there's three ingredients. Like I won't give people the actual recipe. Cause like mm-mm, mm-hmm. it's mine, Yeah, but yep. there's <laughs> only like three ingredients and they're really easy to make. But like, like my cousin who has the recipe, it's her mom who like taught me how to make them. It's like every year at Christmas, she's like, are you going to bring, are you going to bring Greek butter cookies? <laughs> like, and if I don't, she gets like sad. And then so this year we ended up doing Christmas in like July and I brought up a bunch of, and she was like, like holding the box, mm-hmm. like guarding it. She was so excited to have them. And I was like, oh, OK, I guess that's it then, even though it's not technically my family's like co-opted it. Yeah, I I because <laughs> we just have a bunch of shitty Irish recipes and they're like <laughs> potatoes. Let me tell you about the Greeks. <clears throat> oh, um, and I don't even know if it's a traditional Greek recipe. I have no idea. I just know that it came from Mary and I make it every year and they are divine. They are divine. They are divine. That is an they're accurate really statement. Yes. They're really good. No. And the thing, yeah. the other thing about those particular cookies is the presentation that you go like you step it up like when you you know you get the little box and the little papers oh, like, and like I no put no them no in, I put them in mini cupcake liners yeah, and I put them in a box but like that's I mean that's that's makes them special it makes them yeah. really special because it's like one extra you know everybody can put them in a yeah, cookie yeah. tin and not that there's anything wrong with the cookie tin or my favorite no I I always feel like you're when you give us cookies and cookie tins like they're way fancier than mine in the Mm-mm, little boxes no no there's something just yeah no the I, grass it, is always greener that's right that's very I will true take cookies from both of you fair Gladly. yeah she's like <laughs> box tin i don't care cookies trash bag yeah. <laughs> just cookies airmail it's fine <laughs> yeah thrown into my mouth from a distance yeah. all okay <laughs> trebuchet <laughs> catapults whatever yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Ooh, trebuchet yeah um but yeah that's nice i don't have any family well i have like a white trash family recipe Yes, love it. But it's not like it's just two. It goes back two generations. My grandmother's uh, from a very big Catholic family. She was the oldest girl. She grew up on a farm. So she like grew up with like really good home cooking meals. But she hate like grew to hate all of the work that went into those things, too. Mm-hmm. So like she would like make like microwave fudge and like crepes. But made with like box Jiffy mix, not Bisquick, because that was too expensive. Yeah. The Jiffy mix. So like we like I have things like that that I used to like make with her that's all like very much so like artery clogging, convenience food, like hijack kind of recipes, not like actual <laughs> like made from scratch things. <laughs> So it is I think it's just because she grew up like depression era on a farm. Everything had to be yeah. like like they plucked their own chickens like they yeah. like every step of the process she had to do from scratch growing yeah, up. And as, and then as soon as the convenience foods or the, you know, like the things that were going to stop you from having to pluck your own chicken happen. She was like, yeah. fuck, yeah, yeah, I don't need to do this. Yeah. <laughs> She never looked back. I can respect that. I mean, this is a woman that like her idea of a cocktail is like brandy and slim fast. Um, Oh, it's this one. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. Every time you say it. Yeah. Yeah. So I get that little like. I love my mama. She's turning 90 this year. She is a legend. 
Uh, but yeah, that's like so. Those are the kind of like that's the that's family, the brandy and slim fast the family recipe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's I mean that's what's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that in the microwave fudge and like, I, I just like have is the microwave fudge like the like the fudge recipe that's like on fluff. Yeah, that's what like it's is it's, that you make that in the microwave. Yeah, it's it's just like the easiest junkiest food. If I don't have to fuck Imaginable. with f- softball stage, I'm good. Like, give me the microwave <laughs> fudge. Yeah, I don't. Need, I've never made either type of fudge. I don't so. need to mess I'm not a with fudge the gal. Um, candy thermometer. Fuck that. Yeah, she's, no, she's yeah, she's got the mm-hmm. yeah the the uh, making French Canadian style crepes with box jiffy mix is the thing that I still do to this day. I do that with my kids. That's how Love we make that. crepes. I don't use but, crepe mix. I don't make hmm. them from scratch. I don't use like. I mean, I've also never made crepes. Yeah. I mean, but I do. I just, use a, make a shit ton of vegetable oil in a cast iron skillet. Fry it, baby. And butter. You got to have oil and butter. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> and then it's mostly well, milk yeah. with a little bit of Jiffy mix. And if you have money that week, an egg. And <laughs> Ooh. yeah. And then you whisk it up real good and then you fry them and they're delicious. I mean, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I think that's and nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I think that that's kind of the the gist. You know, is it's not always like something that's three hundred years old that came. You know, came down. Like I, I have three that I was thinking about when I was thinking about this, um, and like my great grandmother so my grandfather's mom um her mother and father came directly from germany so like they were um they spoke just german when they got here they used to have like a german little grocery store right in town here there's like a street named after that side of my family because that's it was the german part of the um town And this is one of those things where you're like, I've been lied to my entire life. I thought this was grandma's recipe, but no, it's Aunt Selma's recipe. What the fuck? <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, but it's still delicious. So like there's she made this was called it's called baking powder Coogan. And it's like this sort of um, dense, almost like a coffee cake kind of thing except it's just powdered sugar on the top and but it's very crumbly and craggly and um the recipe that i that i have is written in her handwriting so like that's what's cool to me like i have that i have a recipe that was um written by my grandmother on my dad's side and that's just for like these creamy potato things that my sister hates and but i still have that you know she specifically wrote it for me i know they're delicious they're melissa's can you hate anything that's creamy potatoes she hates them they're like it's almost like if you made a baked mac and cheese but instead of pasta you put in like mandolin potatoes they're it's like scalloped potatoes gone wild they're amazing Mm -hmm. yeah they sound Mm -hmm. delicious they're amazing um and then Dan, um, my husband's uh, mom has this recipe for these things called sugar plums, which are like, I know, I know, <laughs> life changing, right? Like, they're so good. They're so good. They're also like, 
Yeah. Oh, and and there it's also this recipe that is the most that recipe is the most um steps and uh, like it's, it sounded very complicated very when you described com- it to me. The first time I read it, but it's again one of those recipes that's like fold in the cheese and you don't know what the fold in the cheese is. <laughs> yeah, it, it just expects you to know. It absolutely yeah. does. I love because old it's recipes just like, for that. Oh my gosh. And I, you know, I'm trying to make this the first time and I'm just like, she le- she had to have left a page out of this because just like Melissa with her, I'm not giving you all of the rest, all of the steps to this recipe. I don't blame you. You know, you protect mm-hmm. that thing, you know, like this is, no, 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 this is my thing. And I went so through good. a whole, like, can I give these delicious things? You, we talked to- about that on on oh, an episode okay. of the show yeah yeah yeah. like that whole thing like can i give those back to her because we were both like <laughs> yes but i was just like, <laughs> like i don't know they sound like a pain in the ass to make so she'll probably be grateful <laughs> to not have to make them True. and still be able to eat them yeah 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 um <laughs> oh, so, so but that recipe came out of like a blue angels cookbook like that so it wasn't even yeah so it wasn't even (laughs) like tracks yeah and so so it's really neat and then but the the number one recipe for me is um it's in it's not a family thing but it's a the cookbook is a family thing and it's just the joy of cooking but it's probably like version one so um but it's the one recipe that I've used out of this cookbook and everyone in my family has used it. The cookbook opens to the page that this recipe is on. Like nice. it's wild. And yeah, so that I just think that it's interesting how varied <coughs> where we sort of get our historical and sort of memory foods from. And I think that that's neat. And that kind of goes back with uh, with this cookbook. Here. Yeah. <clears throat> Melissa, it's funny. What are we drinking today? Oh no, sorry. Go ahead, Amy. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say. Hard turn. There's yeah. been a lot of like Twitter discourse lately about, um, like, if you were a household that grew up that had, um, that would like make toast and then put cinnamon and sugar on top of it. Like, were you like, and that's something that a lot of, I feel like, poor or like lower middle class. Is that families, not a thing everyone did? No, it's not how really it's delicious yeah it is delicious butter it, cinnamon and sugar yeah it is delicious in the mouth but apparently oh a lot of no, people want who cinnamon like, sugar toast had more affluent childhoods are like i why like i've never heard of that and then like they've tried it and liked it but like that wasn't something they had other Sidebar. kind of convenience foods in the morning to go to hmm. when i was really lazy <laughs> i would just have bread with butter and sugar on it Ooh. <laughs> Okay. really good i remember <laughs> we my... bread and butter delicious add sugar yeah i get like that's something my grandmother would do with me too like it was like the sweetest possible junkiest mm, food carbs delicious. butter ketchup sugar. sandwich what's a ketchup, ketchup sandwich? sandwich never just, did that yeah just wonder bread just white <laughs> wonder bread ketchup in the mouth mm, delicious i don't know hey I don't... look sometimes all we had in the house was wonder bread and catch up yeah i definitely yeah. respect that for sure i my <laughs> best friend growing up um and i never knew at the time like that it was this was a sort of they had there they had a lot of she has a lot of brothers and sisters and they were definitely um i think had a had a hard time feeding everyone uh but we used to eat tomato sandwiches all the time just like mm-hmm. tomato on bread with mayonnaise and it's still one of my most favorite things 
And I never, the concept of, because they grew like tomatoes in their garden. So it was sort of like. Which, yeah, <clears throat> I mean that. I feel like you'd have to do it. I didn't do that, but that's because I didn't like tomatoes when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. But just, you know, I think when you're a kid, you don't realize, oh, this delicious thing that I'm eating is because <laughs> this is all there is here. Right. Yeah. I have a sidebar about side tomatoes. Sidebar on the sidebar. Yeah. Sidebar on the yeah. sidebar. Yeah. Double so sidebar. I know we've talked about tomatoes before in a previous episode and how like they weren't introduced into European cuisine until like the late 1800s because everybody's like, Sharp. oh, they're related to nightshade. They're definitely yeah, poisonous. Don't eat that. Yeah. So I, I discovered something else recently because I am obsessed with food history. And um, weird. Yeah, I know. Um, but wealthy people in northern Europe used to have pewter plates. And if you put <gasps> something as acidic as a tomato on pewter or you use like mm -hmm. pewter cutlery, it will actually erode away the the like pewter part. And then you're you get lead poisoning. So like wealthy people were eating tomatoes off of pewter plates with pewter cutlery and then would immediately fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> tomatoes a tool for the masses yes, yes. truly let them eat tomatoes. tomatoes yeah tomatoes yeah doesn't it do the same doesn't acidic stuff do the same thing to like copper i think so because they don't they always say to not use copper pans for like tomato sauce yeah. or like yeah. highly acidic mm -hmm. i don't know that it would because i don't know what happens with copper erodes i don't know if you would also get i think it's probably more but. just like you don't want to have to polish your copper so don't mm. You know. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 It'll look bad. But that's great. I love that. That's yeah. crazy. That's, <laughs> that's good. You should you should tweet that so that we have content on our Twitter. OK, if I can remember the Twitter <laughs> login. All the logins are the same. Oh, yeah. No, they aren't. They aren't. And, Melissa. And we have more security mostly, than that. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> I, and I, I think they might be in the drive. OK. I think I might have I will, put them somewhere I will way back in the day. Add Twitter but. to my phone again. <laughs> Leaving because of Elon Musk and his muskrats. I'm going to make that a thing. No, it's <laughs> totally fine that a men's rights activist is going to own Twitter. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yep. It's great. Melissa, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> Grade A segue. My big game. cup. <clears throat> Thanks. Yeah. Um, so... It's been a long time since I've looked at this. I don't have a ton of history, of course, because it's a cocktail. Uh, and then there's a part of the cocktail that might actually be incorrect. I have no idea. So I made it. I made a guess and I made it this way. So I am drinking the Mary Pickford. Love the name. <clears throat> Love the face you're making it's while you good. drink it. <laughs> it's good. So it consists of two ounces of light rum, two ounces of pineapple juice, one teaspoon of grenadine. And then it calls for a quarter ounce of maraschino or maraschino or however you want to say it. Now, there are cherries. You garnish with a cherry. So there are maraschino cherries in it. I don't know if it's a quarter ounce of the like maraschino syrup or if it's a quarter ounce of Luxardo maraschino liqueur. Oh, but because it's so sweet, it's got the pineapple juice and the grenadine. Mm. I went with the liqueur. So it's got a quarter ounce of maraschino Luxardo, or Luxardo maraschino liqueur in it. Okay. And then you shake it with ice. You strain into a chilled cocktail glass and garnish with a cherry. If you're like me, you make a double. And you put it in your Starbucks cup. Mm -hmm. And then you just, you know, sip on that all night. But anyways. All night? <laughs> really? All night? Mm. No. 
It is good. It's very reminiscent of like a Mai Tai. Mm, mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Like any That's, sort of rum based mm-hmm. drink you would get at a Chinese food restaurant. Yeah. I mean, it sounds delicious. Like it sounds like summer. It's good. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. It sounds summer, like I don't know what that is. Yeah. It sounds like it's too sweet for you. Um, it's not too bad with the maraschino liqueur in it. As a, it gets a little bit, it's a little bit more bitter. Okay. On the back. So it's, it's good. It's good. It is definitely sweet though. Um, too many of these real bad headache, I'm sure. Cause there's so much sugar in it. Mm. Um, but so again, this history, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. Um, so we should start every supposedly, research with that. With that line. I don't fucking know, man. (laughs) (laughs) The cocktail is named after a famous silent movie actress, um, Gladys Marie Smith, who was known professionally as Mary Pickford. Uh, So the story goes that in the 1920s, Mary was filming in Cuba with her husband, Douglas Fairbanks, and good friend, Charlie Chaplin. Um, There's some argument about who actually created the drink. So two local bartenders, Eddie Wolke. Oh, I think it's Wolke. Woke. I looked up how to say this back before. (laughs) It's W-O-E-L-K-E. Wolke? Wolke. Sure. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, And Fred Kaufman are credited with its invention, although most sources come down on the side of Kaufman. Um, so besides not knowing who should get the credit, there's an even bigger issue with the story. Um, because Vanity Fair wrote a thorough review of Mary and Doug's schedule reveals no trips to Cuba and they never made a film there during their marriage. Interesting. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. And that's like the only story of the creation of the cocktail that I could find. (laughs) And then this other article was just like, yeah, there's no way that this happened. Uh, so while we don't know the true origin story, we do know that the cocktail first appeared in print in Basil Wound's cocktail book when it's cocktail time in Cuba in 1928 and then in the very famous Savoy cocktail book uh, in 1930. Mary Pickford's an interesting character. Like you can go look at her up. She was stunning. Obviously, <laughs> tragically, I obviously like it's every single one, but died young, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. Um, really interesting storied career. I didn't think that we had the time and also I was being lazy to go into her entire history, especially considering like, I don't even know if this cocktail was actually named after her. Fair. <laughs> or Fair. when it was named. Because apparently she was in Cuba, but they were never in Cuba and there was no film. So I don't know. Maybe it was a secret I don't know, trip. man. That's it. Right. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> no way to know. <laughs> no way to know. Yeah, no one. Mary, f- pick your. I can't fucking say your name, Mary Pickford. Wow. <laughs> I thought I was the one that was drunk. I'm not. That's just me. That's my baseline. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I had. I do actually have a couple. Hold on. I actually have a couple pictures in the drive of her that I thought she was like real cute. Yeah, she is real cute. In this one, she's this one. She's got a cat with her. Nice. Uh, sure look. screen. Oh yeah, yeah. This one. Yeah, she oh. has the pictures you have of her of her Aww. like with her iconic long, long, long hair. She yeah. chopped it all off later in her career because she kept being typecast as like a young ingenue. And then she founded oh. one of the first um unions in Hollywood. Who what what, what the fuck, Amy? I'm sorry. I love Mary Pickford. <laughs> I love her. I did I had no idea. Yeah, she's a very cool lady. So yeah, well, like I said, like... But you oh, don't know if the not. cocktail's, like, even named after her. So, like... I mean, they they said that it's 
it is. So I'm sure it is. We just don't know, like, the origin of right. it. Right. Whether, like, she was like, no. Like, it could have just been someone pineapple. in Cuba that was like, oh, this lady's pretty. I'm going to name a drink after yeah. her. And then it sells more we'll drinks. Never know. They're all dead. be like, I made this for Mary Pickford. And mm-hmm. all the white tourists would be like. She was here with her husband what? and Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. In 1920. What, what are they going to They didn't have the internet. Yeah. They didn't have fact checkers back then. I think I, so. I but I love like watching. They probably had more fact checkers back then than we do now. Actually, no. it's not true. We have more, but no one listens to yes. them. Right, right. Yes. Nobody cares about the facts now. But yeah, it's it's like I watch a lot of historical fiction too, and every time I'm watching something where someone's like lying or they're they're like, I can't do that because of honor. I'm like, literally, no one will ever fucking know. Like, literally, nope. you could just show right. up to another town and be like, my name is Tom Smith. Nice to meet you. And people like, did that all assume the time. a new identity. But uh, yes, but it also cracks me up when I'm watching something and someone's like, I, I, I'm like imprisoned by to... my past. I can't escape. Like you literally can. There's no internet. We're yeah, in 1700s. You can go anywhere. Yeah. Do whatever you want, buddy. Nobody cares. Yeah. Especially if you're a white man. Yeah. You'll figure yeah, it out. You're good. fine. Murder mm-hmm. someone, move a town over. Yeah. It's fine. Nobody's going <laughs> to, nobody's going to know. So. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I want, I wish I was there yeah. with you, Melissa, to try that drink. Yeah, same. Because it sounds mm-hmm. like it's something I, I meant like. to send it to you guys early in case, because it's pretty easy to make. So in case you guys wanted to, but then, but then I, I didn't. Mm, that's I don't fine. have any grenadine, but I could definitely, I could make the rest of it. I don't have any fancy booze stuff. Well, I have, I don't have, I don't wine. have, <laughs> I don't have maraschino liqueur, but I do have maraschino. Those. I used the cherries in it that you got me. <sighs> Oh my god, they're so good. But they're at the bottom of my Starbucks cup. Mm. Those cherries are ridiculous. Did not think it through. That's okay. Gonna get anyways. Gonna get poked on your straw. <laughs> Amy, tell 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 us tell us about <laughs> what you're telling us about. Uh, I would love to. Uh, so yeah, so tonight we're talking a little bit about prohibition and, and how that all relates to the suffrage movement. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take us back in time. <laughs> I, I love that I can count on you both to do that sound effect anytime I say that phrase. I just have to pause. It's yeah. how we travel back. Yeah. Now That's we're right. now, now we're back, back in time. In time. Yeah. We're in Where are we, Amy? It's the Seneca what, Falls Convention. Yes. No, um, okay. So yeah. So I have a picture in the drive of um some real stuff shirts, uh, some ladies who founded the suffrage movement, some white ladies who founded the suffrage movement, I should say. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, with Kate, do you want are you in the drive or do you want me to share screen um, share so you can if see? If you want to sh- screen share, that's cool. I mean, I'm, I am in the drive, but oh, wait, no, I ha- I do have the pictures here. Yeah, oh, I have yeah. them in the notes, too. So if you have the notes up, you can see them yeah. there, too. But um, but yeah, there's um, there's a picture. Oh, this is a yeah, different of one. ladies sitting um yeah there you there go it is. so you can see mm. elizabeth <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's elizabeth caddy stanton and susan b anthony uh so susan b anthony yep yep she that's the only one i recognize yeah. <laughs> and then elizabeth caddy stanton's the the um broader lady who's sitting um red right dead center um this yep, lady? with the shawl yep um she i was obsessed with elizabeth caddy stanton when i was a kid i did a report on her and uh, yeah, we did like lady. a wax museum thing where we had to dress up as someone from the past. I chose her. Uh, 
Wow. Yeah. That is that is the most <laughs> such a fucking nerd. That is the most you thing I've heard in a long time. Oh, this this lady's sassy. She is sassy. sassy. I love it. I'm into all her. Of these She's... women, all of these women look like they would be riding their bikes down the road chasing Toto and trying to steal my dog. <laughs> I thought you were saying like making a statement because at this time oh. riding bikes is like really controversial for women. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not no, I was saying I'm they like, all I look like. I don't understand where she's going. With I was like, this. they would be riding bikes. They got arrested for it. Some of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, they got arrested for riding bikes. Yeah, because like, <laughs> like you couldn't ride a bike side saddle. That some people in. The, oh, so they would have to. It was like very split their legs, which is very improper. Yes. Um, How do you even ride a bike in a big like bustle skirt? Yeah. So like Elizabeth Cady Stan famously got in trouble for wearing pants. Yep. Yep. <gasps> yeah. And her own son was like, Mother, don't do that in public. You're embarrassing me. So moms be momming, even in the 1840s. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so uh you could like Elizabeth Caddy Satan and Susan B. Anthony are probably like the most famous in this group photo here, but they wrote the Declaration of Sentiments. Um, and essentially they started to talk about um, women's suffrage at the same time that they're talking about the abolition movement. So this is pre-Civil War, United States, and women have started to exercise their voices in a more political sphere. So they're starting to get more involved. They're speaking out against slavery and the evils of slavery. And then as the Civil War breaks out, too, they start to get more invested in philanthropy. We talked a little bit about this last episode, too, like the founding of the American Red Cross. Um, Women are starting to run nonprofits and different organizations. And then um, the abolitionists end up winning. We, uh, you know, the North wins the Civil War. Slavery is ended. And this em- really emboldens the women's uh, suffrage movement, too. That's not to say that everything was harmonious. So if you notice, that photograph has no women of color in it. Yeah. Um, what? Weird. Yeah. Um, so I don't see color, mostly because this uh, picture is black. black and white. <laughs> Oh God! I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's no, fine. It's, yeah, it's, it's fine. accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, like white women just were kind of like, "This is great. Let's make it ours." Stop talking to black women, which is horrible and unfortunate. Um, so there's other disagreements too that are emerging from the movement at the same time. So like the women are becoming more emboldened, but they're also like really disorganized at this point in time. So there's debate on whether or not they should attack the the idea of women's suffrage on a state level or a federal level. Um, states actually made a lot more progress first before there was movement on a federal level. So like Minnesota, for instance, had women's suffrage in I think like 10 years before there was national women's suffrage. So women in Minnesota could vote in state and local elections um, before women nationally could vote in national and federal elections. Interesting. Yeah. And then there's also um, the 15th Amendment gets um, approved. And this says that vote uh, cannot be denied based on race. And Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony like show their true racist colors. (laughs) Because they're like, what the fuck? Why can black men get the right to vote before white women? And they like further sideline black women from the movement. I mean, it's shitty. Like, it's shitty. It's racist. It's terrible. But like, also, I I don't want to say I get it because that makes it sound like I sympathize. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's shitty and awful. But 
living in a time where uh, people of color are seen as a lower social class and then those people of color getting the right to vote before you when you've been work like I, I see the racist anger there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the You're shitty racist, but like. Right. And that's one of the things that like the systems of power are really good at doing is dividing the people that have way more sure. in common. Yep. Right. So like. <clears throat> Like and I think that the passing of the Fifteenth Amendment is a somewhat strategic thing because they're like, like yes, it is the right thing to do, but also I think that the men in power, the white men in power at this time, are thinking this will take some of the wind out of the sails of the suffrage movement. Um, it didn't. It it did create like a further divide. So what ends up happening after the passing of the 15th Amendment is that three different groups emerge. So we now have the National Women's Suffrage Association, the American Women's Suffrage Association and the National Association of Colored Women Clubs. So you can see already that all of a sudden there's segregation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's also what forms is called the Wis- uh, Women's Christian Temperance Union, which is specifically focused on the temperance movement. So we have okay. a group that's just for black women. We have a group that's just for the temperance movement. And then we have two other groups that are run predominantly by white women who want to exclude black women. There were some black women who belonged to those groups, um, but oftentimes their voices were, were sidelined. So um, this is all happening in the 1870s. So like, for instance, the WCTU, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, which is a fucking mouthful. Whoever was running their marketing department should have done a better job. Uh, (laughs) That was formed in 1874. So that's that's about like a decade before our cookbook that we're that we're using as like our primary research. Um. And there's this question of, like, why do women care so much about temperance? Like, why is this a unifying message for them? And a lot of it has to do with the lack of agency that women had at this time. So women who were victims of domestic abuse, Mm -hmm. um, women who who had been abandoned by their husbands or had no means to support themselves, like they saw alcohol as like the societal ill that was actually mm-hmm. causing their men, quote unquote, to behave that way. Um, where in fact, it's not, like all of these not other the fact that they're just pieces of shit. Right. And, you know, it... no, as we learned on our last episode, any other drink besides the suffragette would make a man go home and beat his wife. That is correct. Yes. Yes. That is, yes. That's true. Mm-hmm. Problem solution yep. yeah so look women are problem solvers all right <laughs> yes. nothing like, if nothing if not problem problem solvers yes mm-hmm. yeah so we have all of these different organizations being formed with slightly different missions and visions of like the best way forward um and uh this woman named annie Whit- Wittenmeyer, she's the organization's president for the wctu for the first five years and she ends up growing that club to surpass the other clubs so she grows that club to include over a thousand local affiliates so that's like a thousand like local um like geographically localized clubs so like okay for your town or your city or your county or whatever and um what happens is that in 1878, so just a f- five years after the club's founding, a new woman comes in and takes um, over, and her name is Frances Willard. I have a photo of her in the drive, too. Yeah, this picture of her is a 
adorable. I know. She looks so She's got, like, focused. some plants and, like, yeah, styling. She's just killing it. It's, yeah. it's a whole vibe. Yeah. I dig it. Um, so she takes over in 1878 and she refocuses the group on temperance, suffrage, prison reform, and labor laws. So this she, woman was ahead of her time. Yes. Yes. And she wants to like create this like big tent movement, right? So like she wants to welcome more women. Um, she wants to expand the scope of like what their values and their mission are, and she wants to shift the organization to become welcoming to many more members with many more views and and be a more diverse organization so abolition and prohibition start to become really closely tied so at this time alcohol like i said was linked specifically to like men beating their wives or men leaving their wives or men gambling away all of their money um going to prostitutes yes but alcohol was also linked to like generally a higher crime rate higher poverty higher domestic violence and also to the evils of the slave trade too so the production of rum increased in the united states and the need for cheaper sugar production arose and we talked about that when we talked about sugar cane um back in season one and it actually increased the slave trade leading up to yeah. the Civil War. So more people were being enslaved from the African content, continent. And then um, uh, the people who were already born into slavery in the United States, too, were like being treated like animals more so than ever before. They're being sure. abused more so than ever before. And they were being encouraged to have more kids than ever before because we were mm -hmm. supposed to stop importing more enslaved people and enslaving more people so they were just like have more babies so that we can increase production <sighs> it's so gross it's so yeah. gross yes it's so gross but i mean then like uh, yeah in order for sugarcane but like then you also have like the cotton trade yep like yeah like they're always gonna fill in a need like why why slaves are needed why cheap labor is needed or free Fucking labor capitalism. is needed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that should be the name of every episode. Really. Fucking capitalism. Yes. <laughs> Take a drink every time we complain about capitalism. Yeah. So it's our new drinking game. So. Um, but yeah. We'll die. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. But the abolitionists and the prohibitionists and the women's suffrage movement see all of these things as like deeply related so i'm sorry this your this face little is comic so... is really upsetting oh, yeah, there's a little yeah. illustration there's an illustration um so th the post-civil war movement switched from uh temperance to full-out prohibition so temperance is like we should slow our roll with alcohol and prohibition is like fucking cut it out and you can see this beautiful little uh <laughs> i couldn't zoom in on there yeah. so so this is like a fearful little... quarrels and brutal violence are the natural consequences of the frequent frequent use of the bottle, yeah. which is not untrue. No. Yeah. To be fair. No. It's yeah. If you not. have no self-control. Yeah. And it's the, the for those of uh, our listeners who can't see the picture, Jeez. we'll we'll post it somewhere. I don't know. Follow us and everything. But there's a brute of a it man. It should technically be getting posted on Patreon. <laughs> Yeah. Look, I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna sort it all we'll out. Do it. All right, we'll get to it's it. Gonna, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But there's a picture. <laughs> it's essentially an illustration of a man, uh, fist uh, ready to punch. I'm assuming his wife, who he's also like holding by the scruff of her, the neck of yeah. her dress, and then, and then his, his children, children are trying. Yeah, 
are clinging to him, being like, no, daddy, And there's, please. like, all, like, tables and chairs are, like, knocked over. And then there's this other lady. Who's this? Who's this bitch? A neighbor? She looks like she's missing an eye. I'm guessing it's his mother. Nah, yeah. Or, like, you know, like, the next generation. Like, the... The grandmother? Grandmother, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, mother. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the next uh, illustration that we have is, is like... A completely different vibe, but still alcohol is to blame. <laughs> the bottle. <laughs> Continue. He's Lisa. discharged from his employment for drunkenness. They <laughs> pawn their clothes to supply the bottle. That poor kitty is so skinny. Yeah. So this Aww. this man sitting pipe in mouth. Uh, apparently he's forgotten how to button his vest or his coat. He's sitting by a fireplace that is not lit. He's looking depressed. And uh, uh, his whole family is, like, trying to figure out what they can pool for resources to support themselves. I mean, this bitch looks fine. <laughs> his daughter's holding the bottle. The infamous bottle. What? She's got a bottle in her hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's pawning that shit. Yeah. And She's the mother like, has, like, this is some good shit. Bread or something. I don't know. I can't quite tell what that is. She's putting something into a bag. I thought that's... Oh, okay. I thought this was like clothes, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. It looks like a pork loin. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it looks like a rack of ribs. Yeah, yeah, it does. And then their poor cat is starving and lapping up what crumbs are left on the table. They have a son and then I this think a baby. This cat would not be starving. A cat no. then? Yeah, no. yeah, no. There's plenty of rats. Yeah. He's eating all the rodents, all the birds. But I think they're saying He's they're so out there. poor. They're so poor that even... Like there's no mice in the cabinets. The, the cat can't hunt. Yeah, there's no mice because they don't have any yeah, food. Yeah, because they don't have any food. The mice have gone to the neighbor's house. This small boy child looks like a grown ass man. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's how mm-hmm. there's a whole TikTok account. That's Eugene Levy. That's uh that <laughs> reviews uh historic paintings of oh, like God. it's like this artist the has never has this artist ever seen a child? Seen a baby. Yeah, that's I hilarious. like that it's always yeah. a always a horse. Yeah. <laughs> I just want you to draw a horse. You know how to draw a horse, right? Yeah, no problem. And it's some monster. Mon- yeah. <laughs> Makes no sense. Tiny little stick legs. Yeah. Yeah. So these are the two kind of like outcomes that that the early prohibition slash suffrage movement saw as a result of alcohol, where men are the villains. So men are either not providing for their families or men are like outright being violent to their families. Well, here, when you have all the rights, you are expected to provide for and care for your family. So like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you sure can goddamn responsibility, bitch. Yep. Um, so this relationship between prohibition and abolition and the women's suffrage movement leads to this kind of philosophical thought called biological determinism, which is really incredibly fucked up. I was going to say, this sounds bad. Yeah, it's it's bad. Is this the brain thing? So Yeah. So this is the premise that like men and women are just built differently. So Mm. men are just they're just they're weak and they're just more likely to become alcoholics and jeopardize their family safety. They just they can't. Well, this is the whole like boys will be boys. Right. Exactly. Locker room talk, all that stuff. Men have no control over what they do. Right. So this leads to this philosophy that women are morally superior. And then the question is, well, if women are morally superior, why the fuck can't they vote? So here's the the place where it gets really yucky right is that one that's bullshit and like we should hold men and women to the same standards 
Two, it also becomes a foundational argument for eugenics. So, yay. yay. So, like, people who were using this as an argument for why women should have the right to vote were also reinforcing, like, horrible racial stereotypes um, where they were also essentially conveying that white people were morally superior. Well, if there's more white people who are in positions of power, it's because they're more deserving because their brains are more developed or whatever fucking bullshit they convince themselves. So then you get all of these different like this is a um, this is obviously from later in time. But th- those implications that that way of thinking of bi- biological determinism has repercussions into like the 1970s like it just doesn't fucking go away so like people would do brain scans of like criminals versus non-criminals of different races they and they would use science quote unquote to back up racist ideologies and sexist ideologies too but more more frequently racist ideologies this says paretic vagrant (laughs) paretic i don't know what What paretic means paretic vagrant hold on google oh wait i don't want it to actually i like the sex pervert (laughs) one (laughs) paret oh i can't spell paretic i'm like looking at my screen share instead of looking at the actual (laughs) a person oh partial paralysis hmm okay so okay so he's a, a homeless person that has some sort of like his legs don't work or something. Yeah. So they need the, a person who Paretic. needs help. Okay. Sorry. As opposed to right. this time period, as opposed to like. I like that vagrant is like just the, like this one just says vagrant. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was a crime. Yeah. Actually, wait, I did. Ooh, Irish. Yeah. There's... Parents and siblings, normal Irish. <laughs> <laughs> That's your ancestors, Melissa. <laughs> Yeah, it's all of our ancestors, well, man. There's the, Italian I, right was, here. When I was first looking <laughs> yes. at it, I realized the first uh, for, under the first picture, the last line is Canadian, and I was just like, Canadian. Yeah, yeah there's that a couple is, Canadians in here. What the fuck does American mean? A Canadian's right. also right. At the, American, uh, technically. Uh, Do they yeah. mean United States well, citizen? The American also has a goiter, so <laughs> and has a broad brain. That's why he's a sex pervert. <laughs> <laughs> It's horrible. It's pseudoscience <laughs> that's used to enforce racist ideologies. Yeah, yeah. Right? it's like the skull shape thing right. too. It's bullshit. Yeah. Um. So this, all of this stuff, is the foundation for which, um, Cora Scott Pond is actually like born into the world. So this is all the shit that's going on when she's coming up and starting to learn more about the the world. And Cora Scott Pond contributes the recipe for Irish stew or or pot pie that we're going to be talking about later. But she graduates from college right around the time that Willard, that woman, that very pensive looking woman with all the plants around her, has taken over mm-hmm. the WCTC. So it's becoming this big tent movement where they're trying to pull in more people. But you have all of this stuff kind of swirling around in society right now where you have this biological determinism stuff going on. You have people who are very... Um, they're pro uh, prison reform and pro labor unions, but then they're also like relying on these weird fucked up pseudoscience moral arguments to make their case. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to expand the movement to include more things, but it's also failing kind of. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Interrupt us. Is it is it? 
Gabian interruptus? It is. <laughs> little nugget. Big nugget. Not a little nugget. Mm. Big nugget. It's <laughs> <laughs> his beak. He peeking. <laughs> oh my god. <gasps> What's on his face? He's got he's got hot dog whiskers. Yeah, it's ketchup. <laughs> yeah. I should have known it was ketchup. It's always ketchup. Oh man, now I'm gonna have to listen. Okay, where my recording's like about 57 minutes in. Sorry. I'm gonna have to listen to it to be like, oh, where do we cut? I'm sorry. That's why I like pause okay. for a second. Can we clap. can we clap again? Yeah. yeah. One, two, three. <laughs> so you two look like you clapped at the same time. Oh, oh all right. Way well, after I did. It sounded like perfectly in sync and looked perfectly in sync in my end. All right, we're good. All right, continue. Okay. So Cora Scott Pond, she's graduating college when all of these different ideas are swirling around and she starts to have a budding interest in women's movements when she's at college. And this is what leads her to meeting a woman named Lucy Stone. So there's a picture of Lucy Stone in the drive. She looks serious as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, she is wearing like a high collar oh, yeah. uh, dress. She got a little smirk, though. She kind of does. Yeah. She a little minx. She is an amazing person. So she's the first woman in Massachusetts to earn a college degree ever. Ooh. Uh, she's the first woman in Love the United it. States to keep her own name after marriage. Yeah. Get yes. It. And then ain't no dowry here, bitch. <laughs> well, she, You're not buying me from my dad. <laughs> well, she started out on a radical edge of women's right at the beginning of her speaking and writing career. Nowadays, she's usually described as a leader of the conservative. Nowadays? Wing. Nowadays. In the 2020s? Yes. Like she's still alive? No. Oh. History I'm remembers saying, her as. Yeah. So like at the time, everyone's like, whoa, okay. she's radical. But historians now looking back on her. Yes. Work, I genuinely did not understand what you meant. <laughs> That's okay. Until I, the words came out of my mouth and I went, oh, she meant historically speaking, yes. <laughs> not actually like personally that, that woman. That would be like her friends. Impressive. That would be one more <laughs> of many things that's impressive about her. Uh, look at that baby cat on your bed. Yes. He's a cute boy. You missed him earlier, Kate. I picked him up and made him like be in the camera and stuff, mm-hmm. but you weren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. So you missed, missed out. It. Anyways, so Lucy Stone, she's like considered really radical in her day. She's responsible for converting Susan B. Anthony to the suffrage cause. She wrote and delivered a speech in um, around the same time as the Seneca Falls Convention. And Susan B. Anthony is like, this lady knows what she's talking about. I will support what she is talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. Later on, though, she and Susan B. Anthony get into a big fucking fight. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say like, oh, were they, weren't no. they? Like, oh, no. it's fine. I mean, Susan B. Anthony oh, okay. was racist, so I don't, I don't wish happiness, <laughs> I guess, for her in any context. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but lesbians are always good to throw into a party. Well, yeah, and the women's suffrage movement More did have lesbians a ton. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but she she uh, she fought with Susan B. Anthony. So they they had disagreements over strategy and tactics of like how to get women the right to vote. They ended up being um, the their like falling out ended up being part of the reason why there were so many different organizations after the Civil War. So 
it's creating these two different branches of the women's suffrage movement. So Lucy Stone, she meets Cora Scott Pond at college and she's like, yo, you seem cool. Why don't you come to Boston <laughs> with me and help me organize some women's groups? Which I feel like is like a pickup line. For I was going to say, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, <laughs> we see what's what, <laughs> what the vibe is. Yeah. You know. um, Cora ends up managing 87 women's leagues in oh, Massachusetts. so she's you. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, Amy. Yeah. I think you got to pick up the pace, right? honey. I'm almost done. I'm almost I don't done. think you're doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you gotta be on some more boards. Mm-hmm. You gotta oh. be on some more committees. Well, yeah, I did. I was just appointed to a new committee. Uh, the, was this the one that you said last episode, though, that you were starting in April? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's good. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's not 87 committees. Okay. I'm no Cora Scott Pond. Yeah. You're like an underachiever. Yeah. You know you can do more. Yeah. Please don't. No, please yeah. Don't. So in 1886, Cora Scott Pond, because she's managing all these different women's groups in Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. she decides Mm -hmm. to put together what she calls a women's suffrage bazaar, like a like a event. Right. I love a bazaar. I I love a good bazaar. We don't have enough bazaars (laughs) now. We don't. We don't. Is that is that appropriation? Mm. Is it appropriation or appreciation? I feel like a bazaar is specifically like a Middle Eastern thing. Am I making that up? It is, no, but I, I don't think, think that's right. the word that Middle Eastern people, like Arab, okay. Arab-speaking people. All right. It probably has racist undertones, but still, yeah. love a bazaar. Uh, I, we'll, we'll have to get back to our listeners on that. We'll dig into it later. <laughs> uh, but it turns out to be a wildly successful fundraiser. So she... Ends up earning the movement in 1886 over $6,000. And one of the keystone events that happens at this bazaar is the book launch for the cookbook that we are using as inspiration for this whole season. Um, nice. If you don't know what we're talking about. I don't have it uh, on me. Go listen to the last episode. Yeah. We're not going to give you any more details. Go listen. No. <laughs> Um, she also organized a pageant too, which recounts specific historical moments. Um, oh, for... not like a beauty pageant. No, 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 like, no, no, no. That doesn't seem. That doesn't track. That seems really like off. Off. So, like, you have to remember, like, this is the time of like history where like circuses were like really big, new, exciting things. Like traveling mm-hmm. shows were like all the rage. So, like, the pageant is essentially like a mobile version of the bazaar that she organizes, where it's like a traveling mm-hmm. troupe of like actors, like reenacting specific moments from like American history that are focused on women's history um, and important women in our country's history. And she ends up raising additional funds for the suffrage movement, too. So, um, it like it played everywhere, it was big. It was real big. It was huge. It was huge. <laughs> um, so there's all sorts of different stuff that she does for the women's suffrage movement, mostly around fundraising. Um, she was really, really into prohibition. So that's like one of the things that sucked her into the women's suffrage movement. Um, and because Frances Willard, that pensive looking lady with all the plants, has taken over the women's Christian leg of the suffrage movement which is really focused on temperance and then prohibition Cora Scott Pond's like gets suckered in that way and then she ends up becoming even more radical and even more 
extreme in her political views. So it's like something that was something that could get like conservative women of the day, like on board with the women's suffrage movement. It was like, oh, like we hate alcohol, too. We hate a good time. Like, let's (laughs) let's join forces. And then they would be exposed to all these different ideas. So like and that's also something, too, that's like easier for. Like if you're a young woman of the day who's like father has a lot of agency over her like daily life and schedule or you're going to college for the first time, which like women were just starting to go to college during this period in American history too, like that is something that you could be exposed to more radical ideas, but still felt very Mm. palatable to like more conservative families and households too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is coming in from that like prohibition angle. So... Uh, these two movements, the women's suffrage movement and the WTCT, they stay really intertwined all the way until Willard's death in 1898. So there's um, this like 20 year period of the suffrage movement's history where suffrage and prohibition are hand in hand. But that also gives mm. you like a really good like that's a long fucking time. Like, yeah, I feel like like I'm an impatient person. And like when I look at social justice movements i'm always like oh like are we really making progress like at the speed or rate at which we should be but like these women got first got together in the 1840s and they worked tirelessly until mm-hmm. until slavery was abolished and then they worked tirelessly until women had the ro- the right to vote and they worked tirelessly until um alcohol the sale of alcohol was prohibited pro prohibited it's like Pro- prohibited <laughs> prohibited <laughs> <laughs> but it took a it's long like, fucking time. I've only, yeah, I've only been able to vote for not even 20 years and I'm already done. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out. But they had to fight. It doesn't fucking matter. I'm over it. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. Like how long they fought for this. Yeah, that's. Yeah. So and so this 20 year period, like obviously deeply impacts the suffrage movement. Um, but at this point, there's again another fucking split in the movement too, which kind of slows things down. So, um, the two groups from before tried to kind of like get reunited to build a better political an- alliance. And then this alliance is still notably leaving out black women. Um, so in an 1898 address to the, um, NAWSA, which is the, so many acronyms. So many fucking acronyms, which is like the black led organization of the time for women's suffrage oh, yep. movement. Mm-hmm. Um, African-American activist Mary Church Terrell described these injustices um, of like being excluded from the movement while remaining hopeful. So she said, uh, not only in the perspective enfranchisement of my sex, but in the emancipation of my race. And these women just continue to struggle to expand access to the ballot. So even though the white suffrage movement was excluding them. They kept fighting the fight and working towards that cause. And it's not until the 1910s when the National Women's Party is formed that the cause starts to get unified again. And you start to see um, marches being organized and protests happening on the lawn of the White House. And women start to illegally vote. So they just fucking show up to the Get ballot it. box. Yeah. And vote. women started running for president, too. Like they didn't have the right to vote yet, but they're running for president. Um, oh, honeys. <laughs> there's even a woman in New Hampshire um, who ran. Um, she ran for governor before women had the right to vote, like as a political protest. 
Get it. Yeah. So definitely a lesbian. Yeah, totally. For sure. <laughs> all of them. Yes, all of them. Um, <laughs> and then World War II breaks out. And all of a sudden, just like what we hear about. Oh, from- really? We yeah. can do something now? We're. Yeah, yeah they're oh, like, please. We're now? useful now outside of the home. Oh, please come shit. into factories. Like, we are fucked. Help us. And women were being asked to, to work as men went away. So, like, women started making money. They started having more agency over their lives. And at the this time, too, we're at the tail end of the Industrial Revolution. So women had already been moving to more urban areas, being exposed to new ideas, working in factory settings like never before. So women are leaving their their hometowns. They're leaving that kind of, like, insulated worldview. They're being exposed to bigger ideas, and now they have more access to money than ever before, an agency over their lives than ever before. In this war, Maine President Woodrow Wilson changed his position on the women's suffrage movement because social unrest is the last fucking thing you want at home. Not because it made him change his idea about women, no, but he was just right, like, right, oh, right, right, right. Oh, no, 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 he's just like, oh, yeah. this could be bad. Yeah. Shit. We need them to work. Shit. So, I guess. The 18th Amendment passes, um, which is for the prohibition of sale of alcohol. Sorry, what year? In 1918. Oh, sorry. Yeah, never mind. I know what year yeah. that is. <laughs> and then seven months later, the 19th Amendment. Like, that's how close uh, they were. They were, like, within the same 12-month period, the same seven-month period. So... These two ideologies, these two values were like so closely intertwined and it helped bring in so many more women to the the suffrage movement and it helped further the causes of both. Granted, prohibition was dumb, but... The noble experiment, yeah, but it's the stupid fucking experiment, really the asinine experiment. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we would have had the passing of the 19th Amendment. Like, I'm not sure women would have right. gained the access of the right to vote when they did had it not been for the prohibition movement because that gave women a political voice and it gave them like a collective reason to organize mm-hmm. that was yep. more palatable to more conservative spheres so it's really important and they're deeply intertwined um so i mentioned earlier that cora scott pond uh submitted the recipe that we're going to be talking about today it is irish stew or a pot pie um, and she ended up becoming a militant prohibitionist. She actually even de- declined from uh, fermented communion wine once. Oh, um, but she. But that's the blood of Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but <gasps> she's a really amazing lady. She became a real estate investor. She refused to wear a corset. She did all sorts of really cool revolutionary things. So I'm excited to to he- if, hear about the recipe. Sidebar, if I learn anything from Midnight Mass, the Netflix show, mm-hmm. the Mike Flanagan Netflix show, it's that not taking communion with your community is like a big deal. It is a big deal. But also taking communion if you're not a true believer is also a big deal. And mm. it really causes a lot of turmoil for our main character. Mm. Oh, OK. Midnight well, Mass is really good. I haven't watched that one. If you haven't watched it. Haven't watched Amy, either. have you watched I it? I haven't yet. You it's religious horror. I know. Oh. I'm working my way through priest? something else right now, which you will all oh, judge me for any, if I say. Any show, <laughs> any show priest? I was going to say, the priest is right in your wheelhouse, so mm-hmm. any show. No, the, he has to also be hot. Well, no. Like, no let's not get crazy. No. Like, not any priest. No, 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 no. This is what I'm saying. The priest like, in yeah. Midnight Mass? 
You can, the audio listeners can't see what I'm doing, but I'm. She approves. Yeah. She. He cute. All right. <laughs> approves. It's a little heavy handed. The religious. So is I religion. I shouldn't even say subtext. Mm. I shouldn't even say subtext because it is not. It is right on the surface. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So sorry. What recipe? That, that what? was it. Yeah, huh? Kate. Do you want to talk to us a little Kate, bit about the recipe what's this tonight? Recipe? Yeah. Well, it's funny <laughs> that um because when you I'm when, already mad at this recipe. Go ahead. Okay. Well, we can talk about why you're mad at it. Um, I'm mad at it because the one thing that it really, really suffers for from is this. This would have really could have really done with some ale or some wine. In that stock, not from Coruscant. The alcohol pond. kicks off. It huh? cooks off. I know. Like it would have been having yeah. it in the house. Mm. Are you kidding? Mm. Hey, prohibition didn't ban under five percent alcohol. So yeah, but I we think could at least have a, some ale in it. But yeah, no. Although I bet ale back then was more potent probably, probably. than now. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, okay, so this is the recipe for Irish stew, also called pot pie. I mm, I call bullshit on both of these statements, but that's fine. Are um, those two separate things, too? Like, yeah, I know nothing they about are. food. And it looks like it has a crust, though, so right. I get the pot pie vibes. More pot pie than, and maybe sort of the, the where pot... Irish, okay, sorry, I'm drunk, so I'm interrupting a lot. <laughs> I have my hand up. Uh-huh. She's dancing. <laughs> um, Irish stew to me is a stew with lamb mm-hmm. and like potatoes, carrots, but it's just a regular stew yeah. with lamb. Yeah. To me, that's Irish stew. Right. Yeah. And hence I, I, one I, of my problems with this recipe. I, take it up with Cora. <laughs> Irish peasants are not fucking eat it. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So I'm going to part, give you all, all the recipe and then we can, then we, then Melissa can. I rightly discuss why it is incorrect. Um, so <laughs> two pounds of veal cut in six pieces. I think that's very specific. It doesn't. Or like, more. Or more. Right. So it's like, <laughs> okay, well, which is it? Is it six pieces or more pieces? Um, put in two quarts of cold water and look, cook slowly until nearly done. Now, like poached beef, just no. Um, so give me some wine in there to make us some good stock. Like give us a little bit of a little bit of well, oomph. Mm-hmm. So add a dozen or more potatoes whole. Boil until they're half done. Add salt and two onions sliced. OK, OK. For the paste or the upper crust, uh, take one large pint of flour. Now, again, a large pint of flour hurts my brain <laughs> Yeah, no, a pint is a pint. Right. So what is a large pint? I also don't She's know. Like, what are they guess... cups for? Definitely well, no, not drinking that's like, booze. <laughs> that's like a heaping. No, you know what? Right. I'm going to back this. That's like saying a heaping tablespoon. No, because like a heaping tablespoon is like a tablespoon is only a so pint. big. Like a pint. A and pint also, is only so big. Also, a pint is normally a liquid measure, not yeah, a I, dry I measure. So that's that. sort of like, oof. yes, no, it's true. Um, yeah. So yes. And so it's a large pint of flour, a heaping teaspoon of baking powder, <laughs> a small piece of butter put in as for biscuits, uh, one egg and mix them together with milk or water. Small piece put in as for biscuits. I'm I guessing think it means like a like butter. Massage like it into up. the flour. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and roll out thick as for a biscuit, the size of the top of your kettle. So like you're basically, you've got your, your 
crock pot or your kettle that you're cooking your meat in uh and then you're putting this paste crust thing on the top of it and then oh it's um, like dumplings it's like no i don't think so chicken and dumplings well put it no Sorry, because you're putting it I'm over the ahead. top of your kettle so you're you're definitely like covering you're oh. covering it um and then oh put, um cut it into Get, four I'm pieces like brain broke <laughs> <laughs> and put it on the top of your stew and then you keep the cover on and you let it boil slowly for 15 minutes so yeah maybe it is more like dumplings because it's if it's gonna boil over, yeah, it's yeah. the size of the top yeah, of your yeah, kettle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and then so you let that boil for slowly for fifteen minutes, and then three minutes before serving, and while still boiling, mix one heaping teaspoonful of flour with cold water. So we're making like, um, a, like a roux, not a roux, but we're kind of trying to thicken up the gravy, like a, like a late stage roux. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then keep at least a quart of water in your kettle at all the time and be careful that it doesn't burn. Um, this, it may be well to add a, to place, bo- well, sorry, it may be well to put a place in the bottom of the kettle to keep the stew from burning. Uh, if the water gets too low, add boiling water at any time. Chicken or beef instead of veal is very good to be used. Serve this on a large platter. Do not divide it in different dishes. So like you're taking so confused. I know. So you're taking the whole thing (laughs) off of the off of the stove or off of the the fire. So wait, it's made in a kettle. Uh huh. In a pot. Made in a in a. But what's the kettle for? Is that the pot? (laughs) Yes, I I think the kettle is the pot. Hit my head on the. so okay yeah so it's in the kettle but also there's water right so i think in the that, kettle yeah, because you don't want you don't want the the broth to boil away because then it'll burn and it'll be real bad so you need to make sure that so when they say if the water gets low do they mean the broth, broth? i think so yeah i think that they're okay co- okay, yeah. okay there's I'm nothing it in here that tells separate. me that this is like a double boiler or anything like that so i don't think we're talking about like a like a like a what is it the thing when it's like water. yeah i don't think we're that's what we're talking about i think we're just talking about like we're adding more liquid which should be wine to the to the <laughs> or stew. at least beer to stay beer. you know yeah, avoid yeah, the prohibition cider, laws something <laughs> something with some flavor um, kind of defeats the purpose i think though mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah i mean i make um I make like a beef stew that is nothing like this. And <laughs> I've never, I've never really made a pot pie. My husband really, really like, likes them. I think they're, I, I've never, I'm not. I'm a, a fan of a pot pie, but that's because I love pastry. Well, so I don't love making pastry at all. So I I think that that's what it is. I think if I was going to make it. I don't love it, making pastry. I love eating pastry. Right. <laughs> so yeah, if I could buy like pastry and just put it on the top of, you know. Well, I mean, you could. Chicken and gravy situation. Yeah. Put it in the yeah. oven, then that would be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, this seems to me like a kind of like a chicken and dumplings thing. I think now that you, now that you kind of said that, that does seem more likely. Yeah. But veal, but one solid dumpling, like one whole sort of dumpling. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's like a biscuit. 
right dough yeah yeah but veal but veal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay like a okay cruel but and especially back then i can't even imagine the cruelty of veal it's better now and it's still hella cruel but like that is like even then that's like a prime cut right like veal it's got to be expensive I mean, I think this is probably your cow just had a baby and you need to do something with it because you don't want to feed that baby. So I guess. Yeah, because if it's a male baby. I guess. I don't know. Look, Irish lamb. Right. So like the fact that's all they have over the there. The fact that it says chicken or beef instead of veal is very good to and use even and say not lamb. lamb yes. Although Amer- in America, I'm going to guess lamb maybe then wasn't. Yeah, probably I don't difficult know, to come by. As available, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's a weird fucking recipe. Yeah. I still want to make the one from the last episode. Oh, God. The last one. Like that that tomato weirdness. <laughs> Milky tomatoes. Still creeps me out. Like I think about it and I'm just like. Mm-hmm. We need to do like an Instagram live of it or something. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like just make it. But like this one would be fun to make just because like I don't know what the fuck is going on well, with it. It just seems, again, very similarly to the first one. Just when when we thought, think about what we eat today and how much like what we have for spices and how like seasoned things are and just like the variety. Like this is just potatoes and an onion. Like that's it. Well, like, and then it says like. And not enough butter okay, and no so wine. You, you cut the veal up and you're. Oh, in two quarts of cold water. JK. Okay. Yeah. I didn't read that part, but. But st- so it's, it's like so, it no flavor. Fun. Like that's going to. No like, flavor. Yeah. There's no salt. No, no pepper. I think there is no one wine. salt. Like a little, like a little bit of salt. No wine. No, no. Like, no air, wine. No, no beer. beer. Yeah. Seriously. Like, come I mean, on. That's kind of the point. Yeah. No stock. Like who, who are you? You didn't have your stock in the fridge like that you could use for this. So like it's, it's a very interesting um sort of juxtaposition to what we do today you know where it's like my spice cabinet has 762 different things in it and for this i could use you know any number of them and maybe make it palatable um yeah but maybe that's why they all look so grouchy because their food was gross (laughs) that and the corsets and the no booze the corsets yeah the corsets it's the corsets man what the fuck? Yeah. Corset when you want to wear a corset, one thing. Corset because yeah. you're like society says you have I've, to. Something I've different. really wanted to wear a corset and then I've gotten halfway through putting one on and I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely not. I get too bloated for this. My <laughs> ass will literally explode. It's going to push everything out. Yeah. <laughs> Although I got one of those waist cinchers. I couldn't even get it on. I don't know how drag queens do it. Yeah, I don't know. It was like laying on the bed. I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before. I, we don't need to, I can't even, we don't yeah. need to rehash old problems. I got rid of that waist cincher. I couldn't put it on. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah. So that's that's yeah. the recipe. Gross. Very fun stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm very drunk. Mm-hmm. Big fan. I've been this drunk in a while. Well, that's good. Oh, yay. Yay I got some us. donuts to eat. Donuts are good. From a local donut person. I have zebra cakes. <gasps> oh, I zebra shoot. Cakes. <laughs> I haven't had one of those. I, like- I I only allow myself to have them at Christmas time when they're Christmas tree cakes. Ooh, yeah. 
And this year there was like a shortage. Mm. I couldn't get them. Hmm. Yeah. I looked every time I was at the store and I was at the store a lot. Work at a cafe. Mm-hmm. Could not. They didn't have them. Hmm. I saw them really early in the season and then never again. You Boom. saw them early in the season. You said, I'll be back for you. And then you yep. never you lied. You lied to the zebra cakes. Well, no, I came back. <laughs> they weren't there. They they didn't want to wait for they, you. They, they did not you. hold up their end <laughs> yeah. of the bargain. Yep. That sounds. Yep. Fucking I zebras. have to pee so bad. <laughs> That's how we end every episode. Well, alrighty then. Look <laughs> at this boy sleeping over here. He's so asleep. Mm-hmm. He's His eyes are so close. He's very asleep. He sleeps. All right. Uh, well, anyways, thank you everyone from listening and from listening for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Uh, bye. 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 <laughs> so fucking delayed that time. Thank you for listening to Drunk Dish. For recipes and more, please visit DrunkDish.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at DrunkDishPod and Instagram at DrunkDish. And again, thanks for listening.